0: All right, welcome to episode three of Exhibit AEH, uh, Canada's personal injury podcast, brought to you by Oatley Vigman LLP, uh, Ontario's personal injury law firm. I'm your co host, Charles, joined by my colleague and friend, Harrison. Welcome. And uh, if uh, you're like us and you couldn't get enough of Brian Cameron uh, the first time around, uh, we had so much great content and so many stories uh, that we had to listen to. Um, This episode is a continuation of that. Uh, first uh, or that interview yeah but it's not
1: just that Charles after Brian's interview we are going to be joined by our digital media coordinator Connor and he's going to be introducing a new segment called rough drafts I'm not sure that I understand exactly what is going to happen but I'm excited and uh, we're going to get to that a little later in today's episode all right and so without further ado here is the rest of our interview with Brian Cameron
0: Wearing all these different types of hats when you're practicing personal injury, maybe you're meeting with a client for an ED prep meeting, or you're attending a mediation, you're traveling to speaking engagements, you have a busy practice, obviously. How do you manage your time? Do you have any ways or, you know, to stay organized? I know you live day to day in terms of your calendar, but are there specific techniques or
2: uh, methods that you kind of use to manage your time? No techniques or methods. I rely on my staff they're really good at organizing things for me and I mm-hmm. rely on them because I'll, I'll often get the question, what do you have next week? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do in this case because I know a trial's maybe starting Monday, but otherwise, no. I mean, they know to organize it, to give me enough prep time for something I need, so I'll look ahead when I have to. Right. But that's about it. Otherwise, it's just a matter of you try to work as efficiently as you can, but it depends on the topic. But it's just a matter of if you've got to work work a lot longer today, well, you do. Mm-hmm. just is what it is but I don't have the, I don't know of any techniques I'm trying to think if I actually use any techniques. Uh, it, well, maybe one when I go in in the morning, I will try to write down a list of everything I want to get accomplished that particular day, not right. have this overwhelming list. Right. Cause I never, I haven't had a point in my life in the last 20 years when I didn't have 300 things to do over the next six months bad news for you two. that doesn't change Mm and in fact it gets worse the only thing that happens is the type of things you do as you get older get a little bit different Mm -hmm. i don't find myself doing the first draft of a fact anymore or uh, doing a mediation memo um not many not as many client meetings i do do, don't do that sort of Mm things but then there's a lot more speaking there's a lot more file management but it's just a matter of you know kind of figuring out what you have to do and and taking that list okay what do i want to accomplish today what are the what are five, seven things, depending what you have on for the day and write that list out in the morning when I get into the office. And, and then usually, usually I will try to, okay, I'm not going to leave the office till I've done these five things. Right. Again, five is a random number depending right. on what it is, but right. that's the way I like to manage it because it gives me a sense of control right. because I don't have any control. I, I, I don't even book my own doctor's appointments. Um, I have no control over my schedule. Somebody else does that for me and not because I'm lazy. Um, I'm disorganized out in my personal life for sure, but Mm -hmm. it isn't because of that. It's because they need to know where I'm going to be and then they need to book other stuff around it. So they, they just book it Uh, instead of me booking something and screwing up a bunch of other things they've Mm -hmm. done. They do it. And uh, I've never asked them to do it. They just do it because it works better.
0: I've got a, a question I want to ask. Because I, I think there was a time when you were trying to beat uh, either Jim or Roger to the office every single day. Um, what time do you usually get in in the office? Now? Yeah, now.
2: Between 7 and 8.
0: And before? I, I
2: mean, before 6. Uh, because when I was a student, um, you'll know that uh, where we had the library in the office, when yep. you walk into your right, that used to be where the students sit. Because at the time, we only had one floor. So we didn't have enough space to have. And it would, the configuration was a lot different than it is now. So that's where the students sat. So uh, both at the time, Roger and Jim would walk right by every morning. And uh, at the time, there was a few other partners. It was Oatly Purser at the time. Uh-huh. And, but I figured out uh, Roger and Jim were the two top dogs in the firm by far. I figured that out in the first couple of weeks. And uh, I would see, I started coming in around seven when I first started. Because mm-hmm. I figured, ah, that seems early enough. Right. But then I would see that those two were already there. Uh, oh geez, this is no good. <laughs> so I had to start <laughs> coming. Backing credit in. for my seven a.m. arrival. Exactly. So I tried, and I didn't succeed every day because sometimes Vigman, uh, this guy, he's the weirdest guy. We'll go do a mediation. Uh, er, and we'll be in the city the night before a mediation and we might go out, he might have a few drinks, might not, whatever. And we'll get, we'll get back to the hotel around one uh-huh. and he'll say, okay, breakfast is six 30. I'm going, well, okay, that's fine. And then we got to get to the mediation. But then I invariably would get an email at 5.00 AM saying, can we do breakfast now? Cause wow. he's been up for an hour. Wow. So he's just like that. And Roger, I think is pretty much the same way. So they would get in early. And so I didn't always make it in early, but I tried to. I figured if the guys with the names on their door, uh, well, Jim's was about a year later, uh, could be there, then I could be too. Mm. And so I did that. And then it just got to be a habit. I like it because there's no staff in, you know, I can get more done in the morning. I will admit as that may be one change as I've become a bit older. Mm. Um, and also the technology is different. You couldn't work at home as easily as you could now. So I'll spend a lot of time at home at night in front of the TV, doing emails, for example. mm. So, uh, I, pro- I get in definitely later than I used to 20 years ago, for sure. Right. What yeah. a
1: juxtaposition between you as the front man in your band out all hours of the night to then you in the office at six o'clock in the
2: morning Well, I wasn't a couple the front, years later. I wasn't the front man. I was not the singer. I used to sing the Ramon songs, which means it was not singing. Okay. Um, I will say this. Uh, this is less work than the music business. Wow. It's less dedication than the music business. Hmm. Um that is a difficult, difficult business. That's full of dishonest people, and then you have these this group of dishonest, smart people, and then dumb musicians for the most part. Mm-hmm. So they get victimized. That's a lot harder business to be in, hmm. because at least in this, I say a mediocre, poorly paid lawyer is still making a decent living. Yeah, even an idiot is making a decent living. Yeah. Music business does not work that way. It's a pure capitalist, eat-your-own sort of business. It's much worse than anything you will deal with in this business. So that part's harder. This is easy in comparison. Hmm. Not intellectually. I'm not talking about that. It's a different skill set as far as that goes. But in terms of the dedication and what you have to put up with and the hours you have to put in, I mean it's uh it's way different and the reward is way different Mm -hmm. i mean you get those one in a million who uh who make it so to speak and then i still have friends my age who are still playing in four bands on the weekend or i run into them on cruise ships when i take my daughter on cruises they're Mm -hmm. playing drums in the classic rock band that was the latest one Mm -hmm. and uh, they're still doing it they're as happy as all get out but they have nothing uh they make you know maybe i just can't give it up uh, they can't they won't. and uh, they also don't want to, right. is the important part. And maybe in their best year, they make 50 grand. And, uh, but it's a tough way to make a living.
1: So what was it about personal injury law that drew you? I mean, you said you had great marks in math. You weren't very good in everything else. Uh, and then you were drawn. To, how did you end up at Oatley Bigman and practicing personal injury litigation?
2: Well, I would, would have been good at everything else if I showed up. I actually liked math. No, what got me here was my daughter. My daughter was two. I did not want to raise her in Toronto. I was not mm-hmm. from Toronto. And we used to have the match system. I don't know if you guys had that when you did articling, yep. but it was this, you know, well, I guess some sort of match program. I don't know how to describe it better than that. Sure. But Oatley Vigen was one of the firms on the match list. Now, it was Oatley Purser at the time. And I applied to there, not knowing much about the firm, but I didn't want to be in Toronto. And I ended up getting the interview. And then when I got the interview, I, I started to look at it a bit more because I had applied to a lot of firms, you yep. know, sort of the shotgun approach to articling. Yeah. And then I started to realize who Roger Oatley was and that sort of thing. And then I started to see clips of some of his early cases with jet skis and you know, all sorts of craziness. Mm. Uh, and then I realized it might be a good thing. But in terms of law, I didn't pick this. I mean, I like it, but the skill set's the same. If I do this or a defense lawyer or uh, a tax lawyer, it's the same skill set. It's just a different, uh, a different set of facts that you're dealing with when you're telling your story. If you're doing it as a tax lawyer, you're just structuring things in a way to tell a story with numbers. Mm. It's all the same. Hmm. Like, it it doesn't matter one bit. Now, the law is different. Okay, you have to deal with the Income Tax Act, which is no treat, but it's all the same skill (laughs) set. A lot of sections of that Income Tax Act. That's right. It's a big book. (laughs) Uh, But no, the skill sets are exactly the same. What makes somebody a good litigator would, would make you a good litigator no matter what kind of litigation you were doing. Just... Uh, now I have a new set of facts here to deal with. Right. So you could be litigating tax law. It wouldn't matter. You're still going to have to figure out how to tell the story to that judge mm. so he understands it. It might be, even be harder in that sense because, boy, getting through a lot of those numbers in the books, and it might be hard to tell that story. I don't know. I don't do it. Right. But right. it's the same skill set.
0: But, but for someone who um, prizes uh, mental stimulation or being challenged, uh, what about personal injury litigation has kept you in the field for you know, uh, all these years, if, if anything?
2: The law itself is pretty straightforward. Um, we used to do uh, we used to have some interesting litigation over uh, cat impairment years ago and some interesting litigation over collateral benefits deductions and how all that worked and I was fortunate enough to do a lot of those cases at the court of appeal mm-hmm. that 's a lot of fun. The law now is fairly straightforward i mean there 's not a lot to it. You get the occasional complicated issue in terms of uh, negotiating a Mary Carter and having to figure out the implications. But the hard part about this is not the law. The law is relatively simple. And if I don't know what the law is on a simple issue, I just ask one of you guys. And somebody finds it out for me. Right. Because I figured out a long time ago, eh, I don't need to know every statute. I, I do, for the most part, in, in, in our area. Mm-hmm. I know the numbers. I know everything. I just don't <laughs> seem to forget it. But it's learning how to structure the story that's interesting and tell the story. Uh. That's the bigger part. Because, look, years ago, it, there was some legal stuff. Roger didn't have a clue. Jim didn't have a clue what the law was. Right. They were storytellers. Right. And much like me now, she's like, well, if I need to know the law on a particular point, like somebody had sent me an email a few days ago about, uh, you know, an AB claim and somebody charged with drunk driving. And I couldn't remember, was it just the charge enough or did it had to be a conviction? What happened? So I just asked somebody because I knew there was something to it, but I couldn't remember. That's not important. The important part might be, might've been telling the story in that case. If there was a tort claim, it turns out there wasn't, but... Mm. So I'm not that fussed about the details, but I don't find a lot of personal injury law, that is the law itself, all that stimulating. There's really, It's really, it's kind of negligence, boring straight ahead. Sometimes some interesting duty of care arguments yeah. in a novel case. Maybe, you know, you get the odd one like yeah. that that are fun to think about or if you're thinking about an appeal. But the rest of it is the one I'm doing now is just occupier's liability case. There's nothing interesting about that it just is what it is but how am I going to structure that story so I best understand because I can't say to these people this the law requires that you have a reasonable system in place uh (laughs) that was functioning at the time you're not the insurers of the blah 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 you guys are all smirking because you know that's what the law is right I can't say that to a jury right how do I tell the story about their complete failure to do anything to make this guy safe Mm. in such a way that one I'm not arguing it and two I'm encapsulating at least those elements of the law that the judge will tell them about right that's the harder part. You know, how do I set that up? And and what order do I put things in? So I can't argue that his back problem before wasn't a problem. Uh, I can't say something to the effect of, well, we know it wasn't a problem because he was still playing hockey. He was still playing volleyball. He was still, I can't do it like that. So what order do I put it in such that people immediately draw that inference? Yeah. That's hard. That's a lot harder than you would think. I mean, I love one isolated example It's easy. You just put one after the other because you only have two choices. It's one after the other or put the other one before. Right. But when you have a lot of choices, now you got to figure out how to structure it and where to do your callbacks to something. Right. You know, so that's the fun part. And it's almost like being, uh, it's like being the director of a movie. You're not writing the script. Mm-hmm. The script already is told for you. The facts are what they are, but you have to be the director.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's Roger's book, Addressing the Jury, is all about that, is... You know, you, the facts are the facts, but you get to choose how to order them and to do it in a way that is impactful and tells a story and leads to those inferences that you want the jurors to, to conclude. That's the skill set.
2: That is, uh, that's 98% of the skill set. Yeah. You have to be able to write I uh, on top of that, I suppose, and perhaps even spell. Right. <laughs> but that's 98% of it. And have a basic understanding of the of the law and a basic understanding of the rules of evidence and the way court procedures work. Mm-hmm. The rest is uh, the rest is storytelling. And I use that book in my class at Queens, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the only required reading. Uh, yeah, it's well, a, a few a few cases, mm-hmm. I suppose, on top of that. But yeah,
0: and and I obviously took that course uh, at Queens, and I'd highly recommend it to anyone who's uh, listening.
2: Now, in, what year did you school. take that course?
0: Uh, it would have been twenty fifteen.
2: So j- Jim was still teaching it at the no, time. No, you
0: you were. Oh, yep. I was. Yep, yep. yep. I remember. You came Sorry. in your jeans with a uh, bottle of Diet Coke Charles, Such and... a memorable guy. Eh? Yeah. No, and then the very first story you told was about the McDonald's uh, hot coffee case and yeah. what our thoughts were about that. And
2: uh, I did that for a reason. Um, and I do open up with stuff like that. I've been lately opening up my class with explaining to them that uh, I'm a personal injury lawyer, but I don't advertise on buses. Right. And I don't advertise on billboards. And uh, I've actually been in a courtroom.
0: So what, why do you say
2: that? Because uh, a lot of people in my business embarrass me. I don't know them personally, and it's nothing personal at all. And for all I know, they're smart. I really don't know. But they embarrass me uh, in the sense that I have to tell people what I do for a living. who only know of certain uh, carbon-based high-pressure rocks Mm. that uh, advertise a lot. So I don't, again, I don't know anything about them or any of the other people you see on the buses with a thumbs up, but I'm horribly embarrassed by it because for the most part we do some very good work that helps some people who have had some seriously bad things happen to them. People have died. People are burned. People are broken up. People are in wheelchairs. Now, not every case. uh, I don't want people to think that every case I have or that our firm has is serious to that extent, like a high-level quadriplegic. It's just not. But to those people, it's serious. And we're not running a, a lot of those other firms. They run like Walmart Law. I mean, they do a lot, very high volume at a very low margin. They don't work it up. No disbursements incurred. No expert reports. Nobody's telling a story there except for this. I have this case. How much will you pay me? Hmm. That's all they're doing. They're asking a question. And it's, I find that embarrassing because we get painted with that brush as much as I think people in the business know we're not like that. But the public doesn't. The public doesn't have a clue between the difference between a real trial lawyer Mm -hmm. and some buffoon who just runs cases through their office and advertises on a 1-800 number. And that I find embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So that's why I tell that story at the outset, because I want to make it clear. We're here, when I do the Queen's class, and I'm doing it again this year, I'm not here to turn them into personal injury lawyers. I don't care what they do. I'm there to turn them into people who can tell a story and understand how to structure a case and... Mm -hmm. Put their thoughts in some order such that they make sense when they're saying them. Right. As opposed to just, you know, rambling, oh, I'm going to advertise, I'm going to get a bunch of clients, and then I'm going to settle each one. You know, it's, mm-hmm. that's not being a, I don't know what to call that. It's not being a trial lawyer. I, I don't know the word for it I just because a pure broker. volume just you're running yeah. a volume practice but I don't know what to call the people that do it oh um, brokers almost you know yeah they kind of are and and some of them are but here's the thing that not everybody who advertises falls into that category either yep. there's just some main offenders and I'm going to talk about anybody I just find the whole thing uh, I'm not offended by it because I've I've yet to be offended by anything I've ever seen or heard I'm just not wired that way I'm not a, uh, I'm not going to be a victim but. I find it embarrassing because then somebody else thinks I'm like that. And I don't want to spend the time telling them, no, I've actually been in a courtroom and I've had my robes on in the last 20 years. Mm. And a lot of them haven't. Now, some have. Again, that's why I'm not using any names because the ones that are upset by this and offended, those will be the ones that haven't been in court. The rest will assume I'm not talking about them and they will be correct. Hmm.
1: Is there anything you would change about personal injury litigation or motor vehicle accident, you know, legislation. You know, we've talked about this thing that that you're not offended by that you don't like, but, you know, would you if you could change anything, would you get rid of the deductible? Would you get rid of the cap on general damages?
2: Those are both surprisingly complex topics. Because as a plaintiff's lawyer, of course, people expect me to say yes. Get rid of the cap on generals.
1: Let's say you can only change one thing. What would it be?
2: Threshold. The cap on da- on generals, uh, it, you know, it's been around so long. It's just we've learned to live with it. And, and the vast majority of our cases come from that. And I've never understood these crazy, you know, American-style $30 million general damages award for what? You know, I don't get it. I understand future care 24 hours a day for the next 60 years because your client is uh, you know, 20 years old. and a quantifiable
1: loss. Right. I
2: understand that. I don't understand the rest. So probably not. I mean, you know, I would give you probably the typical plaintiff lawyer answers on the rest of it, except that I also understand there's another side to this. Insurers have to make money. If they don't, nobody gets paid. Mm. I mean, the people who are hurt, they don't get any money either. I mean, uh, Never mind the claims that are either frivolous or not. If the insurers don't make money, there's no system. So I don't have a problem with that. And I also accept that there is some fraud and there's a lot of waste, especially in the AB system. And the fraud, we don't see it as much in Barry, but these fraud with these clinics and stuff, that's a real problem they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so not everything would be geared for me towards simply a plaintiff's perspective. I would want to see some numbers and figure out what the best thing is to do so it's a very, very complex topic. I mean, I don't know the answer. I don't like the threshold. Uh, I don't like the threshold and the deductible. If told me, somebody told me, well, you got to have one or the other. And the reason is to get rid of the smaller claims that clog up the system. Okay. Show me some numbers on that. If you've convinced me, I would accept one or the other. Uh, I mean, I have to accept both, but I could accept one or the other because they both accomplish the same thing, but they don't, sit on top of each other. I mean, if you have an $80,000 claim, why should there, and that's pretty significant general damages claim, yeah. why should you get ding $37,000 on that? Or, uh, you know, the the threshold on top of that, if it's, I always thought, look, if the jury gives you 50 grand, how is it not permanent and serious in their mind anyway? I never mm-hmm. quite understood that, right. but look, it is what it is. The law doesn't have to be fair. It just is what it is. It's,
1: um, do you have a message to young lawyers, people who might be starting at their practice, personal injury or otherwise?
2: Yeah, find the guy in your office or woman in your office that seems to run things and make yourself indispensable. Okay. I, I don't say that lightly. That's what okay. I did with Jim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, first Roger, because I was originally hired by Roger, and then Jim had to hire somebody, and I got stolen from him. But I just made it so I was always there when they needed me. That's probably the best way to put it. I was always there when they needed something, and I always got it done to the done as quickly as possible and to them. Right. So they knew after either of them gave me an assignment early on, whether articling student, first, second, third year lawyer, Mm -hmm. that once they gave it to me, they never had to worry about it again. Once I had accomplished that, I mean, I kept working because I kind of like doing this. Mm -hmm. But once I had accomplished that, then I I think they probably just realized, well, we better keep them around because otherwise we got to train somebody else, you know, for lack of a better term. And I was... I tried always, not every piece of work was perfect. Occasionally I'd miss the point. So I was a young lawyer. I didn't always get it. I still don't, but uh, occasionally do that. But they always knew that, uh, and this may be more so than anything, anything they ever gave me would be done uh, quickly and as well as it could possibly be done.
1: Hmm. And what do you, like, I mean, in a context of someone who's got, you know, we're, we're busy, Charles and I are busy. How do you, how would you tell young lawyers to make sure that they're doing that, but also... Delivering that on every piece of work that they're doing, while also maybe managing their busy personal life.
2: Well, this may not be a popular answer. Now, I don't care about your personal life. <laughs> right. I really don't. Um, you are valuable to me, and I don't mean you personally. And I don't, I'm not talking about any person personally because I actually do care about my associate's personal life. I mean, Jordan, one of my people, is having a child soon, second,
1: and that's his second child.
2: Yeah, second child. Yeah. yeah, and that's way more important than anything I'm going to give him. All I want to know is oh you're off have with your kid we'll deal with it fine but I don't care about the non child related non what I call non serious stuff like you, you know uh, whatever work life balance whatever sort of new phrase you want to use your value to me is in what you can do for me um that's what I want to know so it doesn't If there's something like childbirth, again, we're talking about a totally different level there, Mm -hmm. but it's not, yeah, I don't care if you have to work late or get Mm -hmm. in early or work on the weekends, because guess what? I did the same thing. Right. I still do the same thing. And I'm not asking any associate I've ever had to do anything I didn't do. Right. So it's... uh. I don't worry too much about that. Now, that said, if somebody comes to me and says, look, I got a problem. I got this going on. This is going to conflict. We're going to find a way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But I'm only going to find a way to deal with it with the people I have now because I value them so much. Like, they do not come to me lightly and say that. In fact, I can't think of the last time they came to me. In fact, I've had to remind them, look, you got to tell me, if you're getting work from three different people or if you have like, three you got to let me know because I have no idea and we'll figure out a way to deal with it. Right.
0: That's a, that's a refreshing and honest answer I think a lot of listeners would appreciate, especially when they're starting out their careers and they don't really know what the expectations are for them in terms of a demanding career like being a lawyer or a litigator.
2: It's a tough, it, it is a tough thing to do because a lot of people are relying on you, not just you. Uh, I mean, not just your family, but there's, okay, there's the clients and then there's the staff, because if you don't run the business, well, you're not paying them. And, uh, you know, when I sit down and think about how much we have to bill in a month to pay the payroll, it's a huge number. As you know, know, we employ what a hundred people, give or take. Yeah. That's a big number. And Mm -hmm. so when I'm a third year lawyer, I never thought about that. I didn't see the books. What did I care? I just did my job Uh, and different pressures come in. that's why I don't really care. You know the the stuff outside of life. I just just get the job done. Right. We'll worry about the rest later. If somebody becomes invaluable to me, I'm going to work with them. I'm going to work with Jordan. Whatever Jordan's got in his schedule now is going out the window. When when his wife calls and says, "I'm having the child." Of course mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not I said I don't care about your kid. Of course I do. But beyond that, I really don't mm-hmm. because it, he's going to deal with it and we're going to deal with the issues because I know Jordan, when I tell Jordan something or Leanne or Morella or any of the other people I work with, when I give them a task, I don't wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it Right. because I know, look, they're going to deal with it. Is it always going to be right? No. Uh, they're going to make mistakes just like I did and still do. And as long as they made what I consider to be a reasonable decision based on the... Uh, what they knew at the time, even if I would have done something different, that's fine. I'm going to back my people, All right? Because they're they're valuable to me, right?
0: And I, and I want to kind of pick up on uh, the business side of things that you were kind of touching on. Um, how has that changed? Because like, like you say, when you're a third, fourth year, fi- fifth year lawyer, maybe you're not putting your mind towards the expenses, how much you're billing, you know, per month, uh, maybe billable hours. Uh, if you're a different type of law, but you know, how's that changed over the years, becoming a partner and being mindful of disbursements and running a file just strategically?
2: Well, there's a lot in that. Um, you just get more information. I don't know that I do anything differently because now I know how much we have to build and make payroll and how much, all that sort of thing. I don't think I do a file any differently, but I just think about it because sometimes you go, boy, I haven't opened a good file in a month now. And right. you know, And so you just think about those things because when it gets right down to it, you're running a business and uh, the clients are, you know, the product, so to speak. I mean, I don't use that word to think about them, but, you know, you have to keep it coming in because we've got to pay you guys Mm -hmm. and we've got to pay the staff and the off. You know, it's it's a big commitment and uh, it takes uh, I'm not a am not a businessman. I've never been one. I don't Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to manage money in that sense. I can't read the financials. I'm like a child. I'm sitting there with the accountant. He's explaining to me what this means, right. and uh, you know we're adding stuff in that is whip. As far as I can tell, it's fake money we haven't got yet. But w- apparently WIP it's is in- work in progress. Yeah, yeah. But apparently for tax reasons that's income. I don't understand it. But they explain it to me. I mean that's not my skill set is not running a business. Other people are very good at that. Mm. But you have to you have to know a, at least a certain amount of it to deal with it. So that's that's new. And then, but as far as running files, that hasn't changed because of that. Like, I won't look at a file and go, oh, geez, cash flow is tight. I have to settle this now. We don't do that. Right. I mean, I'm sure you know it, Oatly Vigman. That's not the way you were taught. That's mm-hmm. not the way I was taught. No, no. You do what you can to settle the case for the best possible outcome for the client. Uh, we can afford to wait, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's just the way it is. But sometimes are there... I, you never know. I may have a cash flow problem, maybe not, but I certainly, it certainly doesn't influence anything we do. Right. Never has.
1: Brian, you've been extremely generous with your time with us. Uh, we'd like to get you out of here on a bit of a rapid fire to wrap up, if that's, if that's cool with you.
2: This sounds fun.
1: What's your favorite movie? Scarface. What's the best book you've read in the last year?
2: A Brief History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson.
1: Okay. What uh, Aside from Jim Jeffries, what's your favorite comedian? Bill Burr. What's your favorite place to vacation?
2: Vegas. Specifically the poker room at the Aria. The rest I don't care about.
1: I'm guessing this is also <laughs> going to feed into my next one. When you're not in the office, what are you doing?
2: Well, assuming uh, Catherine will let me, I'm playing poker somewhere.
1: And, and I guess let's just finish on this. What uh, what similarities are there between playing poker and being a, a litigator, if any?
2: Well, some of the same skill sets. I mean... Uh, when we do a trial, you gamble with big, way bigger money than any poker game I'm ever, ever going to be in. And um, there's a certain uh, analytical thinking that goes into it. What's the line the guy has on the betting that you've seen and what have you seen him do before? I mean, that's very similar to judging how a defense lawyer is going to manage a case and whether or not they really want to try it or not. I mean, there's some similarities, but the reality is I don't play poker to increase my skills as a lawyer. I just do it because it's it's almost literally... The only place I do or the only place I go or the only thing I do where I don't think about work. Mm. I don't have anything else in my life where I don't think about work or am on a computer or on my phone. When I'm on my phone at a poker table, it's just to pick the next music I'm going to listen to in my my earbuds. Mm. That's why I play. Plus, I like playing. It's a lot of fun.
1: That's great. Uh, I don't have any further questions, Charles. No, that's it. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in, Brad. Thank you. Okay, so we hope that you all enjoyed uh, that interview with Brian Cameron. um, And I thought it was fantastic. Up next, we've got something very exciting and very different from uh, what you've previously heard on the podcast. We are thrilled to be joined by our digital media coordinator, Connor. Uh, He works with us at Oatly Vigman, and he came up with this great segment um, called
3: Rough Drafts. All right. Hello, uh, Harrison. Hi, Charles. Hey. Um, So I've got a concept here, uh, knowing that lawyers are very competitive. uh, What? Who told you that? uh, (laughs) Show your personalities and sort of continue to get to know you guys um, better as well. Um, Something that we want to do with our social media is... Rough drafts. So you heard the NFL draft chime theme song. If anyone's asking, uh, that wasn't the NFL draft chime theme song. That was just a chime theme song that Harrison made here at the studio. (laughs) It's all original (laughs) property and content. (laughs) Um, But the idea is that play on the word drafts. Um, We're going to, in particular episodes, um, introduce a topic that neither of you know. I'm going to tell you the topic um, on the spot, and we are going to take turns drafting Um, answers to that particular topic and then we're going to put the each person's sort of responses up on social media and uh allow our listeners to vote on who selected the best choices and we will tally the winners throughout the season and um also anyone that's listening if we miss something that's you think was a better answer please do let us know unlikely um (laughs) we want to see that as well so uh, exhibit A pod on Twitter. Um, we'll have it up on Instagram and some of those other things as well on the Oltlevigman accounts. And so, but, sorry,
1: is this me versus Charles, or are you playing too? It's the three of us. I'm going to play as okay, well to perfect. add a, a
3: third wrinkle to the mix. Yeah, and oh, then, uh, I love
1: it. And then, what are the rules for the draft? Is it first person to respond gets first pick? Or like... we're
3: going to go in order. So we'll we we'll go left to right in this particular episode. So yeah, at sure. the table we're sitting here, Charles can have sort of um, the first selection. Okay. Um, but maybe in a future episode, we'll we'll rotate who gets first turn. Should um, have a coin flip. Yeah, I'm, this is under protest. Okay, well, I'm, I'm uh, open to a coin flip. I was going to let one of you guys go first. If, if,
1: no, no, uh, no. no. Yeah, we'll start with Charles.
3: So. We'll start with Charles.
1: So, so what, What's this week's topic?
3: For the first episode here, um, something that I know working at the firm, people often say to me, I know they say it to you guys all the time. Do you watch lawyer shows and movies on TV when you go home? And Everyone has seen law-related movies and TV shows growing up as kids. Perhaps it's what inspired you to become lawyers. Perhaps it wasn't. Um, Mm. But there's definitely ones that come to mind. So in today's episode, we're each going to select four. We're going to go around. And uh, whoever puts together the best ensemble of law-related movies and shows, as voted by our listeners, will be the winner for episode three. Okay. Okay. So
1: So are they voting on our entire selection, all four? Yes. Yes,
3: it is as a collective unit right. is what's being voted on. so we're trying to go right. for
1: an evenly balanced roster composition as well that's right all right yeah the dream team <laughs> okay so charles
0: who's your first overall pick okay movies or tv shows it right? can be either one all right i'm gonna try to stay current and go with the tv show suits good first pick strong selection yeah i thought you might go for that <laughs>
3: is it something you've personally watched Charles? i have i've actually
0: okay. i think i I don't know there's so many seasons to that TV show but I've seen like the the majority of it. So I started watching that before I had gone to law school.
1: Right. And I loved it and then and then I started like summering and articling and I was like, well now this is not realistic at all. Yeah, this I don't isn't like my this life anymore. at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not getting chauffeured around in Lincolns. Yeah, can I please have some better clothes?
3: <laughs> I think I feel the same way. I've definitely watched any episodes I've seen before. I started working at the firm uh, nearly five years ago and now having a legal marketing background. Um, a lot of the things just seem extremely unrealistic and I don't know if the same applies for the law, but it right. seemed to change the name of the partnership like every six months on the show. Yeah, it's and, very bad branding. Yeah, we, The amount of swag and uh, signage we would need to order would be that'd be terrible very frustrating Cost for someone prohibitive. like me so
1: I, I also recall that just like every case was won or lost because someone blackmailed someone like yeah. there was never any like actual like research into the law on its merits it was just
3: like oh i've got some dirt on this guy from when i uh, we went to college like yeah. case closed <laughs> so anyways charles you're stuck with your pick you can't change it now that we've yeah awful about <laughs> I, I do think it's a popular one and you'll probably get some some credit for it yeah. so Uh, Harrison, since I kind of threw you on the spot here, I'll let you have the next pick. Oh, uh, all right.
1: And what if I haven't seen it? What if I'm just like going based on what I understand popular opinion to be?
0: What do you think, Charles? I think that's a lot as long as you have, uh, like some level of knowledge or information about it.
3: Okay. Yeah. I think that's fine as well. All
0: right. I'm going to go with law and
1: order. I have seen it. I'm aware Mm. of the concept. I know that it's about the police working with the prosecutors who prosecute those crimes dun, 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 dun. Yeah. um but i'm not you know i don't know all the episodes inside it. i do know there's like seven spin-offs yeah um, there's a lot of different yeah spin-offs yeah. and branches of it yeah so because of that and you know the long shelf life that it's had and i i think that they're probably still making new episodes i'm gonna go with law and order i like it
3: good like pick a classic pick i am gonna introduce our first movie you guys both went tv shows which yep. i find interesting um I'm going to go with Legally Blonde. Good I think day. that it's... Uh, one or two. I'm going to go with the, the original, <laughs> the first one. I think that's the only one I've seen. Um, Elle Woods, the star of the movie, Reese Witherspoon. Um, I think it's a popular one, and I think it'll earn me some favor with the listeners,
0: hopefully. So I also submitted my law school application on scented paper. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, all right, so do we want to continue snake style, or do we want to let have Charles have the next pick? I think we Charles just, can have, Charles can have it. Charles can have it, yeah. At.
0: Yeah, give me a charity bonus here. Okay um for my second pick and i l- love this movie um and i'll go with a few good men that's tom cruise jack nicholson the iconic scene in the courtroom every lawyer probably dreams of having that moment but i don't know if I'll i've never seen it
1: well, yeah
0: wow you need to what what's that needs the, to be watched? what's tonight. the main line although i don't want you to give any spoilers so what What's the main... He says, Jack Nicholson, the general says, you can't handle the truth. Oh, that's
1: yeah. from Fugue
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, I need to see that one. That is an absolute classic. Okay.
1: Yeah.
3: All right. Good pick.
1: All right. So that was Charles' pick in the second round. So yep. Now it's on to me? Yep. You're up. All right. I recently saw this movie and I loved it. It's called The Lincoln Lawyer. All it's, right. All right. All right. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey <laughs> at his finest. He is a... Uh, a criminal lawyer who gets entangled in a web of lies and he practices law out of the back of his Lincoln. So uh, it was an excellent movie. and So I, realistic. Two thumbs
3: up. All right. Um, I am going to dip into the TV show side now that you guys each have one of each. Um, I'm inclined to pick the Simpsons episode where Homer's not provided all he can eat seafood and uh, <laughs> takes them to court. But I think he in rep- following the hey, rules... Who's, who's his
1: lawyer? Not Troy McClure. It's... Um- Lionel Hutt. Lionel oh, Hutt. attorney yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> um, but I think that would be kind of cheating in that it's not a legal show. It's just an episode, so I'm going to pass on that. But I am going to go to our first reality show, and how could you not, like, Judge Judy? I think oh. everyone's seen an episode of Judge Judy, um, so I'll, I'll pick Judge Judy for mine.
1: I feel like Connor is drafting very strategically here. Yeah, those are some You got me picks. thinking... Connor about other TV show lawyers, like in Seinfeld, Jackie Childs. Yep. And he represents Kramer in his lawsuit because the coffee's too hot. Yeah. Uh, and Kramer settles for the first offer. I'll take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
3: uh, no, those are great examples. But uh, yeah, if if you do write in to tell us that we missed something, make sure that it is actually a episode, or not an episode, is uh, an actual show that's based on the law, not just an episode. But right. I mean, well, we're happy to hear from you regardless. Yeah, yeah, if you've got right. a good episode of something, yeah. Let's know about Let that
0: too. Know. Uh am I up next? You yeah. are up, Charles. Okay. Um this is probably um maybe the most famous uh, most famous uh law movie, but I grew up I think like most people um in Canada anyways. I think it's mandatory reading, but uh, to kill a mockingbird? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I was probably going to be my next pick. Right. Yeah, that's I
0: mean, a great one. Gregory Peck, the movie, phenomenal.
3: Yeah,
1: can't go wrong there. Nice pick. I will go with another TV series, um, the O.J. Made in America documentary oh, series. I've heard very good things about unbelievable it. Unbelievable show. Um, I think it's a five-part series. I watched it a few years ago when it first came out, and um, it's, it's all like live footage from inside the trial, and it shows the defense team preparing, and it's got interviews with the jurors. It is an unbelievable look into one of the most iconic cases right. um, you know, in
0: the last generation. And I've heard they, they go quite in depth in terms of like the legal strategy. And Absolutely. The techniques, the actual techniques that they would have used yeah. to persuade the jury. For sure. And they yeah. show
1: you how they focus group with the jurors and how they're doing, they, they hire jury consultants to talk about who they want in the jury and what evidence is going to play well with them. Right. It was an unbelievable series that mm. I cannot recommend highly enough.
3: Cool. All right. I didn't even have that one on my notes. That's that one. Uh... Caught me off guard, but it's a good thing I've seen that promotion. Oh, that's you came in here. I have (laughs) some mental notes. (laughs) All right, all right. See how it is. Okay. Um I guess it's me. I certainly didn't go to law school like the two of you did, but I did uh once upon a time in high school take a couple of law classes in grade eleven and twelve, and the teacher certainly showed some movies sometimes, especially when there's a supply teacher, that kind of thing. And one of the ones I know that stuck with me, and I think it's a great movie, regardless of whether you have any interest in the law, is Denzel Washington in uh, Philadelphia.
1: That's a great movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Uh, oh, I got some work to do,
0: guys. Yeah, Harrison, you've got yeah. some essentials. It's a very touching story, but also I think it embodies like what being a lawyer is all about um, in that Denzel represents um, a client that he's initially disinclined to represent for personal reasons. Hmm. And then he comes around to the fact that, you know, it's just duty as a lawyer, but also maybe as a human being right. to help this guy out. But yeah, also, I mean, you know, sometimes you have to take difficult
1: cases, but absolutely. Uh,
3: anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. I definitely, uh, I've heard a lot about it before. Mm-hmm. There's also some cool scenery throughout the movie in the city of Philadelphia. Right, that I, right. When I personally went there recently, um, yeah. kind of got to see, which I enjoyed. I still so, haven't been to the it's, city it's, of brotherly
0: love for me.
1: Okay. I, I want to do the rocky stair climb.
3: Yeah, you know. when I was there um, at doing the rocky stair climb, we went in the morning and there was a huge crowd and we weren't sure what was going on and we didn't have a lot of time. Our taxi driver just kind of drove us up to take the photo and then get us onto the train station. And we left. And then about 20 minutes later, we found out that um, the uh, film producer M night Shyamalan was holding a rally Hmm. about uh, local filmmakers. And he was there apparently, which would have been cool cool. to see, but we were very oblivious. It it doesn't Hmm. look like that many stairs. Like, Oh no, it's, it's, it's probably A one of minutes like, to quickly Yeah, hop like up. maybe yeah. ten flights or something? Yeah, I think really, it's just the fact that like Rocky was running them. Yeah. For, and he was yeah. in bad
1: shape at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he gets in better shape later. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pick Rocky for my yeah. next uh, <laughs> <you laughs> one? you might
3: have to find an angle for that one. So okay, last round, fourth round, four picks each. Charles, how are you wrapping up your uh, your team here?
0: Um so I've got two movies up there and one TV show. So I'm gonna round it out and go with the good wife
3: okay not something that i've personally seen but i definitely see the ads on netflix all the time it's
0: uh very very i think a lot more realistic than than suits um i know josh charles is in it for the first few seasons and he's fantastic in it yeah big fan cool harrison does brooklyn 99 count as a lawyer movie i mean
1: that is definitely a cop show (laughs) yeah it's a great great show Um, i love it though all right, let's go with Aaron Brockovich. It's a, a classic movie. Julia Roberts and I've seen it, um, so I, I That's like. That's one it. I haven't seen. Have you not? No. Oh, I think it's like it's about. I think it's about a
0: class action for someone
1: poisoning like a water supply. Oh, is that and right? And so
0: she... I know John Travolta was was in one similar to that. I think yeah. the Michigan um... about the Flint Michigan. Yeah, oh. yeah.
3: I believe that movie is called The Firm. No, it's called A Civil Action. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we actually watched that one in the high school class as right. well.
1: Nice. Well, yeah, I'm going to go with Aaron Brockovich for uh, my fourth draft pick.
3: All right. All right. I'm surprised to see this one still on the board, and I'm not going to take it. We're going to have to leave it. Um, in terms of greatest of all time or most influential legal movies, I was thinking of going with 12 Angry Men. Yeah, it's probably the most um, iconic. But I think there's another one that, in terms of most enjoyable watch of a movie um, that involves the law, and that's The Social Network. Uh, with Jesse Eisenberg. It's the story about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. Um, And it kind of goes back and forth in time um, with the lawsuit involving that. So I'll pick that
0: one. That's a great movie. Yeah. There's a great uh, scene where they're in that deposition and they're going back and forth. And he he sounds like such a a smart aleck. Um, And it, I don't know, it just goes to show. Like that
1: person who's playing Mark Zuckerberg.
0: That's right, yeah, Yeah. Jesse.
3: um, Jesse Eisenberg. And And the Winklevoss twins. That's (laughs) right, yeah. Great movie, yeah. So again, we're going to post the results up on our Twitter page um, tomorrow, and you guys can vote on who uh, who has the best picks here, and um, look forward to coming back at a future episode, and I have some good additional topics up thanks Uh,
1: thanks for coming on connor and i hope you guys both
0: try again uh, try better next time
1: because i'm sure that the
0: audience (laughs) will side with my thoughts and again if the listeners have uh they think the better or best picks that we all missed uh we'd love to hear from
3: you yeah we'll post them on twitter and retweet you and uh share them that way absolutely all right thanks guys thanks